You are listening to a podcast from Influence Church. We hope it encourages and empowers you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Enjoy the message. Grab your seats. As I started to pray... I want to share with you today. We're not in a series at the moment, and so there's nothing that's a, a, a formula that we're working with with the staff team across locations. And I started to see God about what He wanted to say in this message. And sometimes when you preach, it's kind of one of those slow burner messages. It's something that you think about for kind of weeks, sometimes months. It takes some time to mature. It's like a fine wine. It's like one of those slow cooker meals. Just put it on at the start of the day. It takes some time, but not just a day. It takes weeks and months to kind of permeate and come through. This is not one of those messages. Other times, when we're seeking God for God, what is it you want to say? Sometimes it's slow and it's, and, it's, and it's mature. Sometimes it's like a slap between the eyes and it's like, here's what you need to say and I need to get it down onto the paper as I feel like God is saying to me. And this is one of those messages this morning that just came with such an urgency. I think it's a, a God word for us today. And so I want to bring you a message today called Under Control. Under Control. I wonder if you've ever had one of those times or you've got to one of those stages in life or you've been in the middle of one of those situations where you ended up asking the question, how did I end up here? Anybody had some of those moments in your life? How on earth is this happening to me? How did I get to this stage? How did I get to this place? How did I end up married to this person? I've never asked that question once. I have, but in a really faith-filled, thankful way. I've asked those questions a number of times. Me and Gail celebrated our anniversary this week, 22 years. So I've asked that question in a good way many times. But maybe you've had those moments before where it's like, how did I end up here. Some of you will know we recently got back from a trip to Cambodia, and, and this trip was actually very successful, very plain sailing. But there was an experience that we had about five years ago um, that, were, that was one of those moments. Um, you weren't there, Alan. Um, we, were, we were out in a village, uh, out in a, a distant village, a city called Kampot, which is kind of two hours or two hours or more away from where we normally spend our time in the capital city. And we've been to this area because there was a church being planted and we were there to help launch the church plant and help do some leadership training. There was a conference that was run alongside for, for the three different churches that we support. And so we're out in this city called Kampot. And on the last day of the conference, uh, I was staying on for the Sunday, but on the last day of the conference, which was Saturday, I think, the local pastor, Pastor Nguyen, he said, hey, would you come out with us? We're going to do a baptism and we'd be honored if you attend. And we would say, yeah, we'd love to come to your baptism service. We said, is it, is it nearby? And he said, yeah, we've got to drive on the bus. The bus is about 15 minutes. And then it's just a five-minute walk. And we said, yeah, that sounds fine. In the Cambodian heat, a five-minute walk, we can manage that. Is, that. is that outside? Have you got your suntan lotion on? Have you got your DEET spray, your bug repellent? We said, yeah, but five minutes, noon, it's fine for us. 45 minutes into this trek... We had been across streams, we had been under fences, we'd been over these boulders, we'd been through a jungle to then get to this clearing area, which when you got there was idyllic, and it was this amazing baptism moment. But on the journey along the way, on every part of this Kamai obstacle course that we were taken through, me and Gail would turn to each other and say, how did we end up here? A few moments ago, we were comfortable. Gail had been preaching that morning, so she was in like her preaching attire, a nice long skirt and everything else. And now we're climbing under these barbed wire fences and through this jungle. How do we end up here? 
And maybe you've had kind of similar moments, perhaps not similar to Cambodian jungles, but, you know, somebody says, hey, do you want to come on a hill walk with me? And you're like, yeah. And, and they're like, it's just 20 minutes. It's just half an hour and 40 minutes. You're halfway up this fell in the middle of Cumbria. And you're like, you lied to me. How did I end? Or you go around somebody's house. I just pop around, just have a cup of tea. And you end up helping them to redecorate their lounge. And so it's 11 o'clock at night. And you're there with a scraper thinking, how did I end up here, maybe you've invited somebody around for dinner before, and they said, yeah, we're going to come, kind of bring a couple of extras, and you're like, yeah, that's fine, the more the merrier, and now suddenly you're cooking six different meals for 12 different people, one's a vegan, one's a vegetarian, one's a herbivore, and you're slaving away over, and you're thinking, how did I end up here? Anybody had those moments? And and sometimes we're familiar with those, and we're familiar with the kind of things that we can laugh off afterwards and say, well, it's a little bit inconvenient, but we got through it, but But sometimes it's more than just inconvenience. Sometimes it's more than just kind of a mild discomfort of this. This is not really what I wanted to do, but it's okay. Sometimes we get into those moments where where we feel like things are out of control. Where it feels like we're going through something that not only do I not want to be here, but I don't know how to get out of this situation. I'm in a circumstance and, and I'm saying, how did I get here? And more importantly, how do I get out? Sometimes it's a bit like one of those fairground rides that from the outside, you thought, yeah, it looks all right. Yeah, it looks all right. But now I'm on, and it's not so good, and I've got no way of getting off. And this is not nice. I'm not enjoying it. How do I get out of this situation? I want to speak a message that helps us in those moments understanding what it means to be under control. So we're going to go in the Bible to Jeremiah 29. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me. We're going to go there in a couple of minutes to a really significant passage in the Old Testament in the book of Jeremiah. Now, many of you who know your Bibles know that if we turn into Jeremiah 29, you kind of know where I'm going with this passage. But just hold your horses. Let's go on a bit of a journey before we kind of get to that point. Jeremiah was one of the Old Testament Old Testament prophets. He was a messenger from God to God's people. And there are many prophets that we read about in the Old Testament who were tasked with delivering a message from heaven to God's people on earth. We were not yet in the New Testament, so we didn't have a a relationship that through Jesus, that where the veil was torn, that we could come into the presence of God, that we could pray to God and receive from him and hear from him himself. In fact, in the Old Testament, because of that separation, God's people were spoken to by the prophets who would come and bring a message from heaven. And many times, Sometimes the prophets came and delivered messages, sometimes warning, sometimes rebuke, sometimes calling, sometimes visions to God's people. But if you've read through the Old Testament, you'll know, like Tim was saying before, many times they didn't bother to listen. Many times God's people were spoken to, but they didn't heed the warnings that were given to them by the messengers from God. And that's what's happening here in Jeremiah. When you've been reading through Jeremiah, we're not going to read every chapter that leads up to chapter 29, but once again, God has been delivering a message through his prophets, and the people had not been listening. There was messages that he was giving about the warnings and the consequences about the way that they were living their lives, that they were starting to worship false idols. Some of them were getting involved in ritual child sacrifices that were well away from the purposes of God. And so there were many warnings given through the prophet to his people that they continued, the Israelites, to ignore. They continued to go their own way, not God's way. And they were about to get into trouble. So in Jeremiah, we find out that the Babylonians come and they take over Jerusalem. Some of the Israelites are killed. Some of them um, are, are taken into captivity. Some of them are exiled to the nations that are surrounding. That they're no longer in the place where they were purposed to be. They've been exiled to 
another place. But there was a difference that happened in Jeremiah 29 because many of the passages that we read in the chapters up to this point were these difficult messages to deliver for the prophet of warnings, of consequences of what would happen. But in chapter 29, something shifts because the messages from the prophet were not just um, about warnings and judgment. There was also messages about God's justice and God's grace. And we pick up the story in chapter 29 talking about God's justice and God's grace. Because in the middle of a difficult situation, in the middle of one of those moments where they're saying, I don't know how I ended up here, but I'm desperate to get out of this. This is harder than I thought it would be, and I need an answer of how to get out. In the middle of when they're feeling like this, there was a message of hope. We're going to read the letter to the exiles. It's Jeremiah 29 from verse 4. It says, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those who'd been carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses, settle down, plant gardens, eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons, give your daughters in marriage, so that they may too have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city, uh, the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty the God of Israel says, do not let the prophets and the diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed in Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me And come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So this is a turning point for Israel. Something is about to change in in the, the situation where they were lost and stuck in a place of frustration, a place of exile, a place of, of darkness. Things had been dark for many years, but suddenly a light is starting to be shone. Suddenly they're realizing, okay, maybe it's not always going to be like this. Maybe I've been so focused on the problem and think it will always be like this, but maybe there's a way through. Maybe there is a God who wants to bring hope into my life to carry me out of the season that I'm in and into the season of his goodness, of his purposes, and his plans. So there have been many difficult messages that Jeremiah had had to deliver, but chapter 29 is a message of hope. Suddenly there's a glimmer of light that maybe it doesn't have to be this way. Maybe it won't always be like this. So it's a turning point for uh, for Israel's rescue, for their restoration, and eventually their renewal. That they've been living in such a mess, but suddenly there was still hope. There was still hope for their future. There was still something greater ahead. And the revelation that they had through the prophet was all about God's sovereignty, And that's what I want us to grab hold of today, the understanding of God's sovereignty over our lives. Sovereignty, many of you would understand from, in in an earthly perspective, is to do with the the rulers of the nation. So it could be kings, queens, it could be governments, it could be politics, it could be rulers, it could be empires, that over certain nations there is sovereignty over that nation. Wars have started over the sovereignty of certain islands where somebody said, it's ours, and somebody else has said, no, it's ours. And over the understanding of sovereignty, wars have started in the earthly realms, but in the spiritual realm... Sovereignty is all about us understanding 
that God is in control over our lives. That there is a God that we serve in heaven who has all authority in heaven and on earth. And so spiritually speaking, it's God's authority over our lives. Jesus said those words, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Aren't you thankful this morning that we serve a God who is over all, that has all authority in heaven and on earth? So no matter what we feel, no matter what we face, no matter what we're going through, I'm thankful this morning that we have a God of hope. A God who brings hope even into our hopeless situations. We have a God of light who brings light even when you're surrounded by darkness and you think this situation is so dark, I can't even see my way out. There is always a God of light, a God of hope in the middle of those moments. No matter what we're going through, God's sovereignty helps us to understand that we might be facing certain things, but God is always in control. That God is always sovereign over our lives, sovereign over our families, over our finances, over our health, over our situations. No matter what season or circumstance we find ourselves in, God is still sovereign. God is still ruling over all. Now, here's the thing for us to understand. When we read passages like this in Jeremiah that you haven't been through, probably you haven't been through what the Israelites are going through here. That not many of us have faced these same trials, these same challenges. Not many of us have experienced the moments where we've been exiled to another nation, where we've been forced out of our homes, out of our towns, out of our nation, and forced to go and live in Scotland. Imagine, not many of us have faced those times where we've been taken into captivity by a foreign empire who have come and taken control of our family and our livestock and our children. We've not faced these challenges. But even though our stories don't compare... God's sovereignty is no less significant for us. Your life might tell a different story to when we read the stories in the Old Testament. But the sovereignty of God over your life is no less significant. That you personally are as valued to God as anybody that we read about in Scripture. You might not have a story quite like theirs, but we still have a God that is just like theirs. We still serve a God who is sovereign, who has control over our lives because the sovereignty of God is most powerful when it's personal. Not when it's head knowledge, but when it's heart knowledge. Not when it's something you heard in a sermon or you learned in a theological seminar, but it's most powerful when it's personal and it's inside of our lives to know that whatever I go through, I serve a God who is sovereign. Whatever I feel, whatever I face, however I suffer, there is a God who is still in control. That's when his sovereignty is most powerful in our lives. Not when we've learned it, but when we've come to know it for ourselves. Whether it's come to be a powerful truth in our lives. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher from the 1800s, he said it this way. When you go through a trial, the sovereignty of God is the pillow upon which you lay your head. That's brilliant. That when you're going through something really difficult, the thing that brings peace to you, the thing that you can rely upon, the thing that you can lay and rest upon, when everything else doesn't make sense in your life, the pillow under your head is the sovereignty of God. It's the confidence that we have to go again. It's the courage that we have to be able to get up and face whatever we're going through today because we know that we're not trying to do it in our strength. We're going in his strength. We don't have to do it in our ability. We can go in his ability. We don't have to do it in our natural power because there is a supernatural God who is sovereign over every trial, over every season, over every circumstance in our life. That Whatever we're facing or feeling, there is a God who is in control. So whatever is going on, 
whether it's in your finances, whether it's in health, whether it's in uncertainty in your job or, or difficulty in your marriage, whether it's, it's sickness in your family or doubts about your future or questions over the next steps that you've taken. How do I get out of this situation? Whatever it is that is going on, we have to understand that the sovereignty of God means that God is with us, that God is for us, and that God goes ahead of us. That we serve a God that no matter what is going on, He is always with us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? And that he goes ahead of us. So when you're uncertain about your future, the thing that you can be certain about is that God is already way ahead of you. That God is already making a way where there seems to be no way. That God is already going ahead of you into that seasonal circumstance. He's like, what if I get this wrong? What if I've made the wrong mistake? What if, my, what if all the mess that I've made in my past hinders my future? Well, there is a God who is for you and not against you. So our understanding of his sovereignty helps to shift our perspective in those moments of difficulty. Because the Bible tells us, Psalm 95, I think the Bible tells us that God holds the whole world in his hands. Now you sung it in a primary school assembly many years ago, some of you. But it's based on biblical truth. That the God that we serve, Psalm 95 tells us the the depths of the earth and the tips of the mountains... And the width of the seas are all in the palm of his hands. So if God holds the whole world in his hands, that also means that your life is in his hands. Your kids are in his hands. Your sickness is in his hands. Those choices, those difficulties about your career or your future, all the things that are racking your brains, it's all within the hands of God. It's all under his sovereign power. It's all under his control. The Apostle Paul said it this way. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 6. He says, there is one God and Father of all. He is over all and through all and in all. One God who is Father of all. Over all, in all, and through all. So if we serve a God who is over all things, that means your life is under control. It means that whatever you're going through, it's under control. No matter what your feelings are telling you, it's under control. No matter what your bank balance is telling you, it's under control. No matter what other people are trying to make you alarmist and make you freak out about these things, that we can have a confidence that says, if I serve a God who is over all things, then my life is under his control. He is sovereign. He is my foundation. And on this rock, I will not be shaken. It's a confidence that comes from a revelation of God's sovereignty, not just an understanding, not just a, a, an academic understanding of his authority, but a revelation in our hearts that is in control, a deep understanding in our lives that we're not out of control if we're under control. So let's jump back to this scripture in Jeremiah. While they're living in a season that seemed out of control, when they're in an uncertain place with an uncertain future and they're longing to get back where they were and they're longing to get back to the good old days when we knew everything was going okay, when everything was plain sailing, when, and now they're in this place where they can't even dream of getting back to where they once were. Desperate to get out of this, but with no clue how. They've tried all their plans. They've tried all their abilities to, to get out. And in the middle of this dark situation and a desperate need to, to get out, God speaks a promise to his people. 
I'm thankful for God's promises that are always true. I'm thankful that God's promises are not just relevant to a relevant situation, but they're true no matter what we're facing. They're true no matter what we're feeling. His promises are yes and amen in Christ. So we have to add our amen. We have to come into agreement with the promises of God. But every promise has been spoken can be true in our lives. And in the middle of a difficult situation, they suddenly start to get a revelation through God's promises. That while they're in the middle of the problem, God spoke to them about a greater purpose. Who knows sometimes when you're in the middle of a problem, you can't even hear the part about the purposes of God. You can't even hear that God's got something bigger and something greater because you're so consumed. You're so overwhelmed with, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what my kids are like. You don't know what's going on in my family or the choices, the pressures that I'm under at work. But even in the middle of this problem, God started to remind them, hey, there's a greater purpose. There's something bigger than what you can see right now. There's something greater that I'm calling you into than what you're facing right now. So he starts to speak this promise about his purpose to them. No matter how many times we've messed up, no matter how many times we've walked away from God or we've gone back, like the Israelites made mistake after mistake, somebody warned us where we didn't have a prophet messenger that came to us, but we were told by our life group leader, that's maybe not the right decision for you. And you're like, I know I've messed up before. It's not going to be like I was. But there we are on the same cycle again and again. I'm close to God. I'm far from God. I'm close to God. I'm far from God. But no matter how many times we've messed up, there's still a promise and there's still a purpose for us. And so God speaks to them in the middle of this problem about his purpose. Verse 10. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed in Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill, uh, and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So what God was saying to them is that his plans, his purposes were bigger than what they could see right now. There was something beyond their current perspective. There was something beyond the current drama that they were going through. He was saying there's something greater that you can't wrap your heads around right now, but let me speak it to you in faith. There's something bigger than what you're going through, but let me start to remind you that God is faithful in every season. That no matter what trial we're going through, we can rest our heads on his sovereignty because there's something bigger going on. That he had a plan for them that was bigger than they could see, and it was greater than they could understand. And somebody needs to hear that this morning. That God has a plan for you that is bigger than what you can see right now and is greater than how you feel right now. Because sometimes our emotions scream so loud to us and they tell us and they limit us and they cause us to stay in a place where we're stuck. But somebody needs to hear this morning that God's plan for you is greater than what you see right now. It's beyond how you feel right now. And so not only that, but God's plans are always greater than our own. Because he said, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Now, we love a plan. And many of you have got good plans for your life. It's not that all of our plans are bad and evil and against the purposes of God. And we're all heathens. Now, we're all sinners saved by grace. But it's not that all our plans are against God. But all of God's plans are even greater than our plans. God's plan is always bigger than what we could achieve in our own ability. He says, I know the plans that I have for you. So God has a plan for your life today. And not one person in this room or any room 
is excluded from that promise. That the almighty God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who flung the stars into space, who knows the tops of the mountains and the depths of the seas and holds them all in his hands, that same God has a plan for your life, for you. Not one person is excluded from that promise. Not one person has messed up too many times that they're now cast out from this promise. It's available to every single one of us. Not one person has to miss out on the sovereignty of God because it's available for all. But sometimes I think the reason that we feel out of control, the reason we get to that point where like, I don't know how to cope. Things are all out of control. Everything's out of whack. I've been trying to get my ducks in a row, but I can't even find my ducks. I'm trying to line up all my dominoes, but it just found out that they're not there in the first place. And we struggle with those moments where everything feels like we're out of control. And the reason we feel like that is because we've been chasing our plans instead of seeking God's plans. And so no wonder we're out of line and we're out of whack because we've been chasing what we think is a priority in our life rather than going to God and say, God, would you guide me in my steps? Thank you that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I want to know your wisdom. I want to know your guidance. I want to know your revelation and your plans for my life. And the reason we sometimes feel out of control is because we've been trying to do it our way or we've been trying to do it on our own. I've got everything I need. I'll make it work. I can fix this problem. And there's good to be bold in those areas, but there's bad to be arrogant in those areas. That we're so controlled by our plans or our way of doing things that actually we've stopped seeking, God, what is your plan? Now, here's the thing. I'm a planner. Any planners here this morning? Love a good plan. Love it when a plan comes together. Shout out to somebody who knows what that's about. I love a plan. I need a plan. I love it when a plan comes together. But who knows? It's 18 for those of you who are guessing. Who knows that things don't always go according to plan? No matter how good our plans are, no matter how many times we've worked on it, no matter how experienced we are in these things, we can do all the right things and end up in all the wrong places because sometimes we mess up. Sometimes other people mess up. Sometimes we let ourselves down. Other times other people let us down. Sometimes the things that we prayed about don't turn out the way that we thought that they would. And we sought God and we prayed to God and yet the answer to prayer didn't come in the way that we expected. It doesn't always go according to plan. And it's in those moments when I've done all of the planning and my to-do list is absolutely glorious and it's all crossed out and it's all planned and it's all right and everything should go just as I have planned it to be. And when everything falls apart, it's in those moments that I am so thankful for God's sovereign plan over my life. That he has a plan for us, a plan to prosper us and not to harm us, a plan to give us a hope and a future. His plan is always way better than even the most finely tuned plan that you came up with. And so I'm thankful that God's plan is bigger than mine. I'm thankful that, that God has promises that are spoken over me and are spoken over you. I'm thankful that God has a purpose even when I can't understand it. Even when I'm going through something that things like, how could God ever be present in this situation, in this desperation I've got, in this depression that I'm feeling, in this difficulty that I'm going through? How could God ever be? But I'm thankful that even in those moments when I can't understand a word of it, God still has a plan. There is still a purpose. I'm thankful that he is sovereign 
in every season. And I'm really, really thankful that I'm not in control, but that I'm under control. I'm under his plan. I'm not under my ways. I'm not under my plans. I'm not under my to-do list. Praise the Lord. But I am under his sovereign control. And that brings the confidence to us, just like Charles Spurgeon said, to rest our head at night on the pillow of his sovereignty. On the comfort and the confidence that comes from knowing that God is in control. So, how do we handle those moments? When we're facing something that feels out of control, when we're going through something that's not just hard, but it's, it's painful, and it hurts in this moment. When we're suffering with loss or we're confused because all our plans went to pot or whatever it might be. How do we find peace in the middle of those storms? How do we find that confidence? I never thought about this to now, but we could go on and preach about Jesus asleep in the storm with the pillow under his head. Not knowing what Charles Spurgeon would say about him in a few hundred years time, a few thousand years time. But how do we find the peace in the middle of the storm. How do you remain under control and not try to take control? Because we're all guilty of that. We're all, trying, we're all guilty of trying to take control, of trying to fix it in our own ability. Well, if God's not going to show up, I'll show him what to do. I know what to do. And I've been waiting on God to answer these prayers for long enough. And he hasn't answered my prayers. So now it's time for me to get involved. Maybe this is a male response. I don't know. And you get involved. If something needs fixing, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to find a way. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to think more. I'm going to do more. I'm going to do everything that I can in my ability to take back control. So how do we stay under control in those times where we're trying to, to take control. Apostle Paul said it this way, set your mind on things above. Colossians 3, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. We're always trying to make earthly plans, especially to fix problems. We're always trying to come up with a solution. There's always some life hack that we can do to get me out of this situation. There's always some MacGyver 18 type contraption that I can build to get me out of this difficult situation that I'm facing. If I just try more, if I just work more, if I just do more, maybe I'll, to, I'll be able to get control of this situation. How do we fight the urge to take control and instead remain under control, under God's sovereignty? I want to leave you with two things this morning from, from this scripture that have also been my experience in my life, not as a pastor, but as a, as a follower of Christ, as a disciple who, who's been through tests and trials and yet remained confident to the sovereignty of God. There's two things that we see here in this scripture really easily. To acknowledge his authority and to seek his sovereignty. To acknowledge God's authority and seek his sovereignty. There's really something important about acknowledging because it's being honest in the presence of God. You know that same God who holds the whole world in his hands, knows the tops of the mountains and the depths of the seas? The Bible says he knows how many hairs are on your head. That means he cares personally for you. But he's not just interested in the tops of the mountains and the depths of the seas. He's interested in your life, in what's going on, and what you're facing, in what you're feeling. He not only uh, wants to care, he does care, but he asks for our acknowledgement. And so to acknowledge his authority means that you can be honest with God in prayer about the stuff that's going on in your life. 
that your prayers should be filled in the right times about the praises of God, about the thankfulness of God, about who he is, declaring his sovereignty and his authority and thank him for all that he's done and coming before him with praise and thanksgiving. That's good. But you can also be honest with God of, this is a mess right now, God. I don't know what to do with my family in this situation. I need your provision in my finances right now because I've tried to do everything in my ability and I can't fix it. You can be honest with God about what you're feeling. But the important thing in that honesty is that we also acknowledge his authority. Say, God, I'm broken right now, but I know that you can heal me. I'm lost right now, but I thank you that you're always my redeemer. I'm low right now, God. My emotions are low, but I thank you that you're the lifter of my head. I feel out of control, but I thank you this morning that you're an ever-present help in time of need. We need to acknowledge God's authority because he always has a plan. Just because we can't see it or understand it or, or, or perceive it in our, in our minds, when we feel lost, we can acknowledge, okay, God, I'm lost right now, but I know you've got a plan. I'm low right now but I know you've got a plan. I feel out of control in this moment by acknowledge that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. Therefore, I know you've got a plan for me in this moment. Acknowledging the authority of God is really important because it, it reminds ourselves that, that we're coming under his control. Proverbs 3 verse 6 says, Acknowledge the Lord in all of your ways and he will make your paths straight. In all your ways. Not just in those big life-changing moments, but there's something powerful about acknowledging God in all of your ways. This is how I, I start my day every day in my, in my personal devotions, not in, in planning a sermon, not in leading the church, but as a personal follower of Christ. I take time every morning. Sometimes that's a whole 40 minutes prayer time. Sometimes it's 20 seconds on my knees in the carpet in my dining room saying, God, I give over this day to you. I acknowledge your authority. Let your will be done in my life. Your will be done, your kingdom come. And so you can all pray that prayer. It can take 15, 20 seconds. If you've got half an hour, if you've got an hour, if you've got two hours to spend in the presence of God, brilliant. But every one of us, no matter how busy your life is, because we all claim the, the, the right of busyness, no matter how busy your life is, every single one of us can take 20 seconds at the start of the day and say, God, you're in control, not me. I pray often, God, I pray that I would decrease and that you would increase. I would become less and that you would become greater. That's all it takes. At the start of your day, you've made a decision to acknowledge him in all of your ways. And do you know what? Doesn't mean that everything that day goes to plan. Doesn't mean that it's always plain sailing for me. Have you seen my life? Absolute perfection. Nothing has ever gone wrong in my life. It doesn't mean that at all. But it does mean that even when everything falls apart, even when no plan goes as it should, at the start of that day, I've already, already surrendered everything that's going to take place under his control. It's under his sovereignty. It's under his control. It's not my will being done. It's his. So we have to acknowledge his authority, and then we have to seek his sovereignty. The verse went on in Jeremiah. The verse we read towards the end there, verse 13. It says, you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. 
You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. This is where prayer and the presence of God makes all the difference in our lives. You'll seek me and find me. Not just because you show up to church once a week. Not because you went to life group because somebody made you go to a life group. Not because you prayed for 15 seconds on your knees because a pastor told you you should pray for 15 seconds on your knees. But because you seek him and find him with all your heart. With a personal desire for his control and sovereignty over your life. Now you can't do that flippantly because that takes some understanding of who God is. Because we love to take control. We love to plan our days. We love to do it in our own way. And we love to do it in our own strength. And so it takes some spiritual maturity to say, God, I give over control and I seek your control. I seek your sovereignty over my life. This is where the presence of God makes all the difference. Not just praying because you need God to show up because you got to a difficult point in your life and then you thought, oh, it's hard. Now I should pray. But praying because you know every day that you need more of God in your life. You need more of the filling of his Holy Spirit. You need more of his wisdom instead of your wisdom. His desires instead of your desires. You can't know the sovereignty of God unless you're willing to seek the face of God. And so it starts in that place. But when we do that, when we get into a a rhythm in our walk with God, not just just that I'm close to God, I'm far from God, I'm close to God, but when we get into a rhythm in our relationship with God where we're regularly acknowledging his authority, when we trust his sovereignty, when we acknowledge and when we trust, no matter what is going on, we can have a confidence that it's under control. It's under his control. Our emotions might tell us one thing. Medical reports or the bank balance or whatever else might tell us something else. But there's a confidence that can come from saying, okay, these things might be out of control. But my life, it's under the control of a sovereign God. A God who knows me and loves me. A God who has a plan for me. A plan to prosper me, not to harm me. A plan to give me a hope And a future. There is always a hope and a greater future to be found when our lives are surrendered to the sovereignty of God. Let's take a moment and just close our eyes this morning. Sense that God is speaking to a a number of people, but maybe you know specifically there's some stuff where you're like, yeah, I've messed up there because I've totally been trying to do it my way. I've totally been trying to take control. Take, 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 rather than give over control to his sovereignty. We're going to take a few moments in in a minute that as we worship, that in our worship, we can surrender again. In our worship, we can seek his face again. We can acknowledge, okay, God, I tried to do this in my ability, but right now I surrender and I seek your sovereignty. But right now, as every head's bowed, every eye's closed, I want to just give you a really quick opportunity. If there's anybody in here and you know that actually the reason that sometimes you feel like things are out of control is because you're not in a right relationship with God. We've talked about coming under God's authority, but you know that you've been around the things of God, even the fact that you found yourself in church this morning, you know something about the things of God, but you wouldn't say that you're, you're under the control of God because you've never accepted Christ into your life. The Bible tells us that 
Just like in the Old Testament where the, the prophets, they were, there was a separation from God, but the Bible tells us in the New Testament, because Jesus came, that, that separation, that curtain was torn. We can come into a personal relationship with the same God that holds the whole world in his hands. And if you know today that you've never come into a relationship with God, or you did that once years ago, and you've been trying to take back control for, for too long, and today you're saying, God, I, I surrender again. I'll need your power in my life. I need to come under your control. If that's you this morning, would you just raise your hand and hold it high for a moment to take a moment and say, God, I'm acknowledging you this morning as my Lord. I'm acknowledging you this morning as my Savior. That's brilliant this morning. Anybody else say, okay, enough is enough. I need to know that sovereignty in my life. I need to know that Lordship of Christ in my life. I need to know not just the Savior of Jesus, but I need to know the Lordship of Christ this morning. Just raise your hand and hold it high for about five seconds, just so our prayer team can know who they're praying with this morning. That's great. Thank you, Lord. God, we want to thank you this morning. Come on, let's stand this morning, church. We want to thank you this morning, God, that nothing is outside of your control. No matter how many times we mess up, no matter how many mistakes we made, no matter how many times we go around that cycle of being close to you and far from you and close to you and far from you, God, just like the Israelites, we thank you there is a message of hope for us, that you see us and that you know us and that you love us and your word tells us that you have a plan for us, a plan to prosper us and not to harm us, a plan to give us a hope and a future. And so, God, we want to surrender to you this morning. Would you forgive us for the times where we've been trying to take control? Would you forgive us for the times where we've been trying to do it in our own strength, in our own ways in our own logic. God, we surrender our logic to you this morning and say we surrender to that sovereignty. God, we place our lives under your almighty control this this morning. God, we thank you that you are over all and that you are in all and that you are working through all situations, that there is no situation that you are not able to turn around for the good of those who love you. And so, God, we come this morning, Lord, full of thankfulness for your sovereignty, full of thankfulness for your lordship over our lives. God, help us to live not just in a moment here in church, but help us to live each day acknowledging your authority, understanding your sovereignty, and coming under your control in our lives. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your hope. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Come on, let's worship. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Influence Church. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Influence Church empowering you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God.